Hello and welcome to another episode of Ozpol Explained. I am, as always, your bearded host with the curly hair, David, and I am going to be talking about the topic of party leadership today. And to help us do that, we have a special guest. Welcome to the show. Fantastic. Good to be here. Excellent. Well, first off, I'd love for you to introduce yourself to our audience. So that is uh, your name, uh, your position, and a brief physical description for accessibility purposes. Michael McCormack, a federal member for Riverina, member of the National Party, middle-aged politician. I've been an elected representative of the federal parliament, the House of Representatives, since 2010. And I climbed the ranks all the way up to uh, Deputy Prime Minister, served in that role for three and a bit years. Uh, and uh, I've been uh, a member back as a, as, a, as a local member as such since uh, June uh, this year, 2021, uh, after a uh, leadership, uh, leadership spill in the, in the party room. And uh, no doubt many, many people saw and observed that, but uh, look, enjoying the role. You've been in politics my entire adult life. <laughs> there you go. And, and look, it seems like only yesterday. I mean, people uh, talk about these things, but, uh, you know, 11 years have gone very, very quickly. Uh, yeah, a few things have changed. I, uh, uh, hair might be sort of a different colour. Well, fun fact, you were the 14th leader of the National Party, if we're including its predecessor, the Country Party, um, on the federal level. So you've got uh, some very specific experience that I'd really love to dive in. Uh, and so let's begin. What is the role of a party leader in its essence? Well, it's to provide leadership guidance and direction of your political party, whilst at the same time taking on board uh, the views of, of the different members. And sometimes, um, as we've seen just this week, uh, the leader doesn't always get his way uh, when it comes to the party making a decision on something. And, uh, it, but it's important to make sure that all views in that, uh, in that room are, uh, are heard, are listened to, and like anything, it comes down to uh, majority rules. So, uh, you know, if the party has a, has a view on one particular thing, uh, it doesn't matter uh, whether it's the leader or the noisiest person in the room might have a different view. Uh, it's the overall uh, view of the room that wins the day. That's an important thing to note. I think the common misconception of a party leader is that they have a lot of control over what is ultimately policy, but it's a party room decision. Um, but what effect does a leader have on that policy? Well, of course, you get the first say and the last say. And, uh, you know, you can, uh, you can guide your room by, you know, because, and you've also got input from uh, not, not just the community, but as well the Prime Minister. And, and obviously the Prime Minister, um, you know, holds a bit of sway in a lot of things. I mean, at the end of the day, they are the Prime Minister of the country. And so you've got, you're in the unique position where you know what the Prime Minister is thinking, where you, where you uh, have that uh, um, knowledge of uh, where the Cabinet is sort of going, and uh, you're able to uh, influence uh, your, your party members as far as where you think the government is heading, uh, what direction they're taking on important policy positions. And uh, so that, that's important. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, leaders need to have a a certain, certain charisma, a certain charm, a certain leadership style, and they all do. Uh, they've all got their own way of doing things. 
but it's actually taking on, you know, being able to collaboratively get on board uh, your members' views and thoughts. You said uh, the leader has the first and last say. Does that mean that a leader can veto something? Depends on, on I suppose, whether they take a vote in a room. I mean, uh, in, in any uh, meeting in uh, Westminster or other, or other uh, you know, even, even uh, other, other systems of uh, the way meetings are run, often the chair uh, has the casting vote if, in fact, the, uh, the, the, the vote is tied. And uh, when I say the, the, the first say, I mean, generally, at any given meeting of, of the National Party, well, it's the leader, followed by the deputy leader, has the, uh, the first say. That's, that's just understandable. It's like the uh, joint party room. The Prime Minister is always the first to speak, followed by the deputy Prime Minister. Uh, that's just a par for the course. But obviously, when I say the last say, I mean, they're the ones who are going to um, wrap meetings up. They're the ones who are going to be fronting the media first on any important policy position. That's just the, the way things are run. I mean, the leader has, has a, a lot of say and, uh, and, and therefore a lot of sway. Continuing on your like, responsibilities in the party room, is it up to a party leader to sort of expel a member or is that like a party group decision? Well, I haven't been in a position where a, leader, a, a, a member required expulsion. Um, but obviously, if, if such a case were to occur, it would be discussed within the party room, unless it was a situation whereby, uh, you know, there, was the, there wasn't the ability to have a party meeting or indeed, uh, you know, it was so bad that obviously the leader just needed to take action, uh, him or herself. And, uh, you know, there have been times when um, members have been uh, stripped of their ministries. Uh, so they've been uh, uh, either sacked or, uh, or forced to resign their, their ministerial portfolios. Um, but to be actually kicked out of the party, uh, well, that's probably next level, next step. Now, I fortunately haven't, haven't been in that situation where uh, that has arisen. But uh, to kick somebody out of the party would also probably require a federal management discussion because the, uh, the National Party, uh, like, like the Liberal Party, uh, like the Labor Party, is formed of, of state branches and uh, there's an overarching body, which is the federal executive. And so if you had to actually kick somebody out of the party, not only would you need to discuss it with the federal manager, you'd probably also have to discuss it with their, their state uh, chair. And, uh, you know, that would be a, uh, a big step to take. But indeed, if somebody deserved expulsion, well, that's, that's the course a party or a leader would have to uh, go down. What are some specific added responsibilities of being a party leader? Making sure that you are available 24-7, and I'm, I'm really meaning 24-7. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you, three, three and a bit years I was the, uh, the leader of the National Party and Deputy Prime Minister. I didn't have a day off in that. And I'm not complaining. That's just the... The, the, the emphasis and the focus, even Christmas Day, I mean, either constituents or your, or your colleagues would be uh, sending you messages of, uh, asking you to uh, look at something, read something, prepare something, do something. I mean, it's a full-on job. And I mean, it is oh, it's 16 hours a day, every day. Uh, that's okay. That, you're not going to do those jobs forever. You're only the custodian of a position for as long as uh, the people want you to be either your party or the people who actually send you to Canberra in the first place. And the, and the demands are high. And you, you as, as Deputy Prime Minister, before COVID travel restrictions were really in force, 
Uh, I, I spent my life on the road and in airports and making sure I got out and uh, to, to not only all of my uh, representatives electorates, but indeed to as many electorates across the country, whether they were in government or in opposition or in, or, or in independent, you know, to make sure. And, and I was somebody who also uh, took on board the views of, uh, of those who weren't in the party, those who uh, were either our coalition colleagues, the Liberal Party, or indeed uh, Labor members and others. You know, I always made sure that uh, if I attended their electorates, that I, I let them know I was coming. And certainly if we were in a forum together, gave them equal say uh, and the ability to, uh, to, to be on the stage at the same time uh, as I was and, and, and made sure that, uh, you know, I reached out to them to be in a bypass fashion. Because I, I, people, the last thing they want to see is politicians you know, playing the partisan line all the time. They actually like to see things get done. Roads being built. Uh, dams being constructed and they like to see their politicians whatever color or stripe or creed they are actually getting along that's good to hear um so expanding on that uh i suppose like an added duty is that you uh have to campaign for the whole party not just your electorate yeah indeed no, in the last election uh i was unable to be at every single uh, polling booth on every uh you know, on, on, during the, you know, and, and they are a long time, these uh, election campaigns, uh, you know, six weeks or more. Uh, Pre-poll opens, there's a lot of pre-poll. And, uh, you know, I was unable to be uh, in the Riverina the whole time. Uh, in fact, I was probably only there uh, now and again on weekends leading up to the election and, and, and the last few days of the, of the election uh, because I was, I was in other areas, uh, you know, talking up the National Party, our policies, the government's views on... Uh, all matters, uh, whether it was climate, whether it was uh, infrastructure, um, no matter what, health, education, services, those sorts of things, you know, right around Australia. And uh, when you are Deputy Prime Minister, obviously you get the uh, ability to travel a little bit more than your average backbencher. And so, you know, there's also the expectation that you will uh, turn up and campaign with your colleagues and make sure that their interests are represented and that, that their people know that uh, you, as the Deputy Prime Minister, second in charge of the country, care about, you know, that particular electorate's needs and wants as well. The Nationals are in a somewhat uh, unique uh, situation in that they alone don't form government, they form a coalition, and as part of that agreement, some National members become Ministers in Cabinet. How does that relationship work? Are you, like... Uh, would the party leader be like, these are the people I want to be ministers and the Liberal Party say, these are the ministerial positions that they have? Yes. So the uh, just to understand the coalition, the Liberal Party was formed in uh, the 1940s. Uh, the National Party was formed uh, in 1920. So we're the second oldest political party after the Labor Party in Australia. But so we've been in a coalition uh, with the, uh, the Liberal Party for uh, 70 or so years. Uh, that coalition has only been broken uh, on very few occasions um, in opposition uh, after uh, certain elections. And, uh, but generally, uh, in, in uh, almost all of the last 70 years, we've past 70 years, we've been uh, in that uh, business, marriage, whatever you like to call it, uh, with the Liberal Party. So uh, when it comes to determining the ministerial positions. It's worked out on a quota basis with the seats, uh, so if the or members. So if the National Party 
as we have at the moment, 21 members. If uh, in, and, and so the Liberal Party, uh, they work out a proportional ratio. So uh, we've got at the moment five cabinet uh, positions and uh, some outer ministry positions. It's worked out on a quota basis. And, and generally we take uh, where we're given. And it, it, first and foremost, it's at the behest and the gift of the prime minister of the country. Uh, uh, you know, when it's a, obviously when it's a coalition government, it's the Liberal leader, the Liberal Prime Minister, in this case, Scott Morrison, he says, well, look, you've got X number of positions. Uh, the National Party generally fills positions such as infrastructure, uh, agriculture, uh, water, transport, regional development. Uh, we've had Veterans Affairs for some time. Uh, we, we often fill um, uh, positions such as uh, decentralisation, those things which are important to regional people. Uh, resources, for instance, uh, mining and resources comes generally under the National Party. So the leader of the National Party uh, then determines which of his, uh, uh, who amongst his ranks are going to fill those ministerial roles. I was always of the view that uh, you shouldn't be and weren't under, under my leadership a, uh, you couldn't be a first-term member of, uh, of, of Parliament and be a minister because I think in your first term, um, irrespective of your talents, you need to be able, you, you need to be going to your electorate, those people who voted you in and turning up for their events, turning up for their meetings, turning up for their forums for, and, uh, and making sure that they know that they've got a good person in Canberra representing their interests. And when you are a minister, uh, it does take you out of the electorate it does uh, refocus your mind because you, 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 you're that much busier. There's that much uh, uh, more demands on your time. And even though now that I'm back on the backbench, I'm still working as many hours as I can, as many hours as I used to. I mean, that you can create yourself work by, by having a hard work ethic. Uh, there is a, a you know, the, obviously because of, of the situation, you, you do spend a lot more time travelling as a minister as opposed to if you were uh, just a local member. So uh, the, the, in the National Party, the uh, positions within the ministry are the gift of the leader and, uh, and he uh, uh, determines those positions. The uh, deputy leader of the, of the, of the National Party, uh, they can have their uh, choice as to what portfolio. And so David Littleproud, who was my uh, second uh, deputy leader after Bridget McKenzie, uh, he chose that he wanted to be the agriculture minister. And so uh, he, he was uh, given that, that role, but the other ones were... Uh, we're, we're at my uh, my uh, decision. Can we expand a little on like how like decision-making processes work in the coalition? Because, you know, if, if it's just one party, you've explained how you do it with like one party room, but there's multiple leaders, there's multiple parties, and you have to come to consensus. Um, and without citing anything specific, we know that the leader of the Nationals and the leader of the Liberals can butt heads on certain things. So how does that like relationship uh, where you are dealing with multiple party leaders work? What I used to do, uh, most importantly, was if, if I had a uh, discussion on policy uh, with the Prime Minister, the Liberal leader, and we didn't agree, we kept that uh, between ourselves and we, we might have had... Uh, that uh, earnest and robust discussion um, uh, always behind closed doors and made sure that, uh, you know, I, I let him know on behalf of my party what I was thinking, what we were thinking. Uh, he would let me know uh, the, his viewpoint. 
and uh, we'd reached an agreement. I mean, politics is not always about getting what you want 100% of the time. Sometimes uh, you have to make compromises. Sometimes you have to, uh, um, you know, make sure that whilst your people are not being left behind uh, and, and they're getting the very best deal, you don't always get everything you want every every piece of the time. And so it's, it's making sure that uh, whilst you might agree to disagree, you're happy with the outcome because it's what is going to help your people get better services, better funding, those sorts of things. So uh, what would happen on an important policy outcome would be that the Liberal Party meets, it meets regularly uh, in a sitting fortnight. It, it, it meets once in the first, the first week. The National Party meets both weeks. Uh, the, uh, obviously, the ministers have discussions with backbench committees. They have discussions with uh, 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 crossbench uh, in, in as much as sort of they have bipartisan, there's bipartisan committees for agriculture, for all the portfolios. Uh, they have discussions about things. But the Ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, the, uh, the the parties will will have their their own say. The uh, the cabinet will will reach a consensus on a policy position. It'll go back to the uh, the, the parties. It'll go to the joint party room. And once the backbench committee is satisfied with uh, what the minister has told them, uh, therefore it, it then gets written up as legislation. It goes to the party the the, the parliament. Um, the, the, the Labor Party, as it is at the moment, the opposition, uh, or even indeed crossbenchers, or even indeed government members, should they wish to make amendments. I mean, a minister can even make an amendment if there's something that's uh, uh, come about, where, which is a, a newfound position or something which hadn't occurred to them uh, as they were writing the legislation. They can make amendments to a bill. And so there are a lot of, uh, there's a lot of oversight, uh, a lot of, uh, um, you know, views put on, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an important process that uh, takes place and uh, people out there, particularly young people, can rest assured that there's been a lot of thought put into uh, legislation as it becomes law. How does one become a party leader, basically? Uh, do you have any particular qualifications that the party values or is, there, is it more about an internal uh, discussion with the party? Oh, David, it's all of that and much more. I mean, it's good luck, good management, good timing, um, right person, right place, right time. Uh, you obviously have to have earned the respect of your peers. You obviously have to have uh, uh, been somebody who was stable, uh, you know, had a had a, uh, a good media presence, been able to be somebody who could uh, uh, speak on difficult topics uh, to meetings which sometimes weren't very friendly, uh, so, someone who had uh, been in the parliament for some time, so you understood the parliamentary system and uh, were able to convey a message uh, for and on behalf of not just the members of your party, but indeed uh, in, in the nationals' uh, sake, the, uh, the rural and regional, coastal and remote people. So is there any uh, advice that you have to share? Get involved. I mean, it doesn't matter which political party uh, that, that that you have views on. If you you know turn up to a to a meeting, I mean I, I know the young nationals in our party. Sometimes uh, they come up with some weird and wonderful ideas, but they're the future. And uh, you know they're having a crack, they're having their say, and uh, there are some really good opportunities. I've seen some uh, young people come through the ranks, uh, young women particularly uh, in recent years. So there are many opportunities for women, young people to take part, to have their say, to go to conferences, and often uh, it's it's something that a 
that a person raises, a young person on the conference floor, which ultimately becomes legislation through that process I spoke about. Some idea, some spark of, a, of an idea that where somebody thought something should have been better, where somebody thought something could have been an opportunity for a regional community uh, that uh, you know, was going to uh, make people's lives better. They raised it on the floor of the conference because they were involved in a branch or indeed didn't even turn up in the conference, just actually wrote the motion out and it was put to conference and that has ultimately become law and uh, that's a big plus. Well, that is all the questions. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, David. Any time at all, take care. And uh, as I say to those young people out there, you know, have a go. It's uh, one of those things where if you want to be a politician, you want to have a go, then uh, certainly there's, I know, political parties out there would love to hear from you. Excellent. Thank you so much. And there you have it. I hope you've learned a few things about party leadership. Thank you to Michael McCormack for joining us. Comment down below what you would like to learn about next, share, subscribe, all those sorts of things. And you can support me on Patreon. There's a link in the description where you can get episodes earlier than everyone else. There is also a copy of the transcript in the description. So if you would like to rather read instead of listen to this episode, you may do so. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will see you next time.